Make sure to check out our Facebook and website for the updates on Colorado Festival of Horror, September 15th through the 17th. Oh, man. This is episode 200. How can you stand me? Daniel Crozier, and I am joined by the legendary Debbie Rashad. Episode 200. 200. So one question to you. First, congratulations. Oh, that thank you. Amazing. Really. <laughs> Next question. Why the fuck did you wait 200 episodes to have me on? Oh, man. I, I'm, uh, you know, I've always wanted to talk, you know, have you on to talk to you. I guess it just took me you know, that long to, to you know, get the nerve up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Okay, let's go with that. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Congratulations. That's badass. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the whole reason for the show is really to, to learn more about uh, horror creators and, you know, people in, in the, you know, from all walks of life in, mm -hmm. in this genre, you know, filmmakers, writers, and, and all that. But, you know, you know, Debbie, my, my question is uh, to you is, you know, who are you? Where did you come from? And how did you get into, you know, filmmaking? Ah, I am Debbie Rashawn. Yes. I, <laughs> I was born in a can of film, Ooh. like a Petri dish. Ooh. Uh, you know, they put the, the uh, egg in there, the yeah. sperm, they met. And it somehow became this this organism, this this thing that grew and grew and grew until I came out. And they said, "What have we made? What is this thing?" And it turned into me. And so I went along, went along, went along, and here we are. Yeah. He's Not like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love I love the, you know, the, the, the fun, you know, uh, yeah, delightful, uh, you know, uh, approach to everything. It's, uh, you know, we were talking before uh, we went on and, mm -hmm. you know, one of the the interesting things that uh, I, I find absolutely fascinating ab about who you are in your life is, you know, you know yeah, for a time when you were a teenager, you were, you were homeless and mm -hmm. you know, talk about, you know, that experience and what led to, you know, 
being on off off Broadway productions and filming. Yeah. So, wow. Um, when I was 11 years old, there was all this stuff going on. Um, that's a whole story in itself, but went into like the system, if you will, was taken away from the parents. The parents weren't able because of what they were going through and stuff uh, to take care of me. Um, so I was going to go into the foster care system. At this point, I was living in like what you would call a halfway house right. uh, that they have for, for teens when they don't have any placement. Because, uh, hey, just like animals, the babies are more attractive to take in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, seriously. But that that was just that in itself was a nightmare because um, the the troubled kids in those places it was just absolutely horrendous, yeah. horrendous. I mean, I made a friend there, and um, so to speak, because we're talking over just a, a matter of a few days. And she was actually overdosing one night, like upstairs where the bedrooms were. And at that moment, because things were like so bad there, because um, like I say, like you have a whole bunch of kids that are completely dysfunctional and that have so many problems that aren't being addressed, especially back then. Right. right. Um, and so the abuse, even within that house with the counselors was pretty bad. So one night when she was overdosing and like the ambulances were coming in and, and all the, the counselors, I, I believe it was police as well. I can't remember that part. Um, I took the opportunity to fly out the front door and I just like, I just went with it. That was it. Right. And so I just, I had to get out of there because I couldn't endure that abuse either. So yeah. I was just kind of like going from like one insanely crazy situation to another and then to another which is literally living on the streets yeah and that was just i mean oh i mean all all kinds of stuff that you could well imagine happened and uh which included you know everything from you know i had my my head cracked open with a tire iron uh, oh. uh multiple rapes um, I was even like, and this is actually a chapter in the book. Um, I was actually even, uh, with a friend of mine who was this young gay guy mm -hmm. and the two of us were, um, abducted basically. I mean, at first, um, we were going along with the, the situation, but it was these two guys and they kept us in a place for like a week and it was just like sexual abuse and he was getting it. You know what I mean? Both were getting it. And it was just like all this insanity, just stuff to make you as, you know, just shut down, like bricked up, shut down and out of like out of your body as you can forget about like psychics and stuff that, that go in the, the travel, you know, that the spirit travel stuff, this is like, really for real like being yeah. able to um exp uh, get through it i should say not experience it because you don't want to experience it it's the opposite so right. you don't experience right. it you get super good at doing those types of things um then fast track the story to 
um, there was a friend of mine who actually in Canada, there yeah. is this, uh, who's now passed away. There was this um, female impersonator by the name of Craig Russell, who was really big in Canada. I don't think the States, um, but famous, famous. He made a couple movies. Uh, I think it was called Outrageous or something. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, his manager, who I knew, um, who was just kind of all over the place, you know, on the street and then also doing that. He was just like one of these guys. He was just interesting, interesting yeah. guy. And um, he said to me one day, he said, you know, down at the Denman Inn, this is in Vancouver, and that, that's a hotel. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Caro, who's now a massive big, she may have even retired by now for all I know, but she became like the number one casting director in all of like Vancouver when things blew up there after I left. Um, yeah. But she said, you know, uh, he said, go and see her. She's doing this casting for this movie. And I was like, wow, that's interesting, you know. Uh, so I went over there and uh, she met me. She said, are you really interested? Would you be willing to really dye your hair and bleach your hair out and mm -hmm. all that stuff? And I said, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah a lot going on over here, but yeah. I'm willing to do this for your movie. And uh, so she just took a Polaroid and I was cast and boom, I was, I was on, on that movie for three months and I made 300 cash a week. Yeah, cool. we're talking back then where this was normal, like this kind of thing happened where you made cash working on it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was like the, the number one step. And yeah. then I eventually fast forward to 1984, moved to New York city so I could study acting. Cool. Um, and yeah, so that's it. Cause I read all the books. I had Uta Hagen's book. I had all like the good books, you know, Ooh, um, yeah. Uh, Lee Strasberg, all the stuff, yeah. Michael Chekhov, all the, the really, really good stuff. And I thought, well, you know, do I, people were like, oh, you know, if you, if you want to like run away to the States, you should go to LA. And I was like, mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, well, no, cause it, the movie star thing is like, it's not really like, I'm, I'm too of an odd, much of an oddball, if you will. Sure. And I just never saw myself as being like the stereotypical anything, like, you know, the a good girl or bad right. like in their eyes, how right. they cast things so i always thought no no no. i want to go and study yeah. and he's more like weird artsy types i think i fit in more there i'm more like drawn to that to like the new york east coast stuff yeah and so that's kind of how i ended up over there nice nice oh that's wow that that is you know quite the story uh you know uh yeah such yeah such a terrible thing to, to have happen to you and you know we we talked about, you know, that it's, it's something that really needs to be, you know, brought to light, you know, so that, you know, other people uh, can see, you know, homelessness is, you know, they, people need help and they need to be understood and reached out to. Yeah. And, and it's really true. And then the other thing I wanted to say about that was um, it took me like a, an extra long time because ironically, I think on my Facebook, I had posted, uh, this student film that for the first time was ever posted on YouTube. So, I mean, it was, it's really, really funny. And then I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, like, it's so like, look at myself. I'm not talking about anybody else with the filmmaker. And I'm like, oh my God, it's just like so bad. And, and, but like, I'm laughing at the same time, but yeah. 
I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you have to be kind to yourself. And the reason yeah. I say that is because it can take some, anyone, some people yeah. are born with it. And I, I'm like, blows my mind, right? Like, holy shit, you're like born ready to go in the arts. Yeah. You know, it's amazing yeah. to me. But for me, because of what I went through, it took so many years and years yeah. of acting class to like, break down all that shit that I had built yeah. up in order to survive. Right. right. So right. it was just like, just so long it took me to, to get to that point. And I mean, it's got two sides to it. One is that finally, which is probably going into like the late nineties, I would say mm -hmm. when I started to like hit my stride and be able to actually do right. stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing that happens is that, um, you also have this kind of like a breakdown. Like when I was going through the acting class and all that kind of stuff, I got all kinds of phobias. I even had agoraphobia. I had to like fight through to get out because all of that stuff comes barreling in because your whole job as an actor is to feel all those things and, yeah. you know, experience everything and take your past and deal with it. Yeah. And then if you fast forward a whole lot to now when I'm writing my autobiography, even again, it happens again. You're writing out the stories and all of a sudden you got to spend an entire day in bed. You're yeah. just like, Phew. yeah, just having to revisit that stuff. I mean, yeah. I I've heard a lot of people do go through that when they, they sit there and have to write their memoirs. In fact, uh, the other day I was watching um, a video on, on, um, uh, on Ted talks actually about um, college applications and you know, how so many uh, immigrants have to revisit uh, these traumatic experiences, either immigrating over or being a refugee and, yeah you know, writing these college entrance, you know, uh, essays, having to relive that and relive that trauma. So I, I, I'd imagine that's, that's very similar to what, uh, what you would have to go through too. Wow. Yeah. And you don't think about that, do you? No. They have to write these essays. People think, yeah. oh, well, it's just a paper for school. Right. But Right. If you're to be like really get down to the roots of it and be yeah. honest, because yeah. I always felt like, cause I've read a lot of autobiographies and the ones that are, that really piss me off are the ones that are boring because yeah. you know that they're not talking yeah. about everything. Right. And that's their right to not talk about everything. But yeah. the ones that I really like blow my mind are the ones that take all of these chances. And they're so honest that, you, when as a reader you're not judging them but when you're writing it you feel nothing but judgment like you know what I mean like it's hard right. to describe but you're like it, it's a scary thing so you learn to like read things and just get blown away by people um who are just so honest and I say unless you're going to be like insanely honest there's just no point in doing it right Right. No, uh, I, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, kind of changing, uh, uh, changing topics, but, uh, you know, I discovered your work, uh, when I was in art school back in the, the mid nineties, um, mm -hmm. you know, specifically with, uh, you know, Tromeo and Julia and then mm -hmm. later Tara Firmer, you know, through, through the, the trauma camp, which, 
you know, uh, you know, my dad had the misfortune of introducing me to the Toxic Avenger back in the '80s, and it's just been a love affair that's that's carried on through the years. And and seeing you know Lloyd's work and 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 then you know your work on on screen, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about you know, some of those experiences working with uh, Troma and with Lloyd Kaufman? Yeah. Oh boy. So I met Lloyd in like late 1992, I was writing an article about trauma and I went up there and I was interviewing him and true to Lloyd, which anybody who's met him, which is now millions of people. Mm -hmm. If you talk to him about something, he'll say, well, why don't we do this? And Mm -hmm. you go and you do it. And so when I did uh, that particular article, he says, Hey, what, you know, we got all these movies, brand new movies, and we have to make new art for them. So why don't you like pose for some art for movies, you know, that's not even in, by the way, but that's okay, because we need new art. And so that's what I did. So I did like maybe uh, six of those. And then all of a sudden it started like, before Comedy Central was called that, it was called Ha or Ha Ha, something like that. Wow, I don't even remember that. (laughs) It was brand new before. It changed quick. But uh, we did all this crazy stuff um, on there. We did, um, uh, we would crash like the film parties at uh, Gracie Mansion in in Manhattan. And, you know, Mr. T would be there and all these people. Then this crazy (laughs) trauma group would be there. Um, So we were doing like parades and this and that, doing all kinds of stuff bumpers for uh, channels all over the world, like be it uh, Netherlands or Germany or um, France. And they would show like all these seventies trauma movies, but they would have these bumpers in between. And I did a whole bunch of those and then all this stuff. And then finally he Mm -hmm. said to me, and then we did uh, the trauma infomercial. And that's when I was at his house because we were shooting in his backyard, a piece of that. And by backyard, I mean this, you know, he lives in this beautiful um, brownstone. So it's like this really cool backyard. And he says, look at this. It's a script for uh, Tromeo and Juliet. Read it and see if uh, any of these roles appeal to you. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I read it. And I think James Gunn had just been hired on as his assistant at that time. So, um, yeah, so he completely rewritten it since that first draft. And when I say read it and see if anything appeals to you, it doesn't matter if you're Lemmy, like just, just, even if it's just for, for the sake of saying that you did it, even if it's that Lloyd will always make you read for everything. Like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, I don't know who to use it. Um, David Cronenberg. He would make right. David Cronenberg. You know what I mean? Read right. to play right. David Cronenberg in the movie. Um, so it was, it was funny, but um, yeah. So James Gunn was there, and we were doing like a lot of like um, trauma TV, Edge TV, yeah. all this kind of stuff uh, beforehand, and then the movie came along, and uh, so we did the movie. And one of the the funny things about Tromeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. it was like so. The, the people in the movie were so cool. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, it was like so amazing. And there was some amazing, great actors. And I think what sets it apart is not just, you know, how it was shot, how it looks, the story, yeah. all of these things that were important, right? 
But yeah. I think that the thing that set reset trauma with Tromeo and Juliet was the fact that you had all of these great actors that were really not really in the previous trauma movies. And I mean, that's not a diss to any of them because yeah. there's amazing actors like Lisa Gay, who's a great actress um, and some others as well. But I think with the entire cast being so good, you know, it was, I think that that set the line in the sand and then Tromo got sort of like this new breath of life from it. Yeah. Um, and so that, yeah, that was a really cool experience. So that, that was kind of the beginning. So I did all of this stuff with Lloyd Pryor and then it sort of built up to that first movie. And, and the whole time, and the one thing I got to say, which was funny, sounds like it's like not funny, but the, to me, looking back, it was funny. I'll never forget that we were in um, Times Square and we had this like little room uh, rented to do rehearsals in that everything was rehearsed like over and over, like a trillion times over. It wasn't just yeah. like, it feels like people just showing up in a trauma set and just winging it and having a blast. Right. But in right. fact, it's like so rehearsed. It's yeah. insane, right? So I'll never forget this one time, me and uh, Jane Jensen, um, mm -hmm. who's gone on to be an amazing musician, singer, um, we were do doing um, our scene in the bedroom, which turned into a love scene. And James Gunn was there. Uh, Lloyd wasn't there for the rehearsals, but the rehearsals were being taped. Um, and... James Gunn, realistically and rightfully so, uh, said, well, you know, however we're going to do the scene, that's how we're going to rehearse it. So in other words, you're going to weed out anybody who doesn't want to do, like they're just going to say they're going to do nudity, but they're not going to end up doing it once you get on the set and then you're kind of screwed, right? Right, right. So, and I remember saying to him, I was like, I'm not rehearsing naked. Yeah. Like I, I, nope. Not, I, I said, trust me, I'm going to do it. I yeah. have no problem doing it. But for some reason, I have a problem doing it in the rehearsal. And sure. so that was that was probably really awkward for him because who cares? Because you're going to be shooting it and it doesn't really yeah. seem like a big deal. But I don't know if, again, if it's my past or if it's just comfort of having right. like actually all these people around. I don't know what it was, but um, luckily he was a really great guy and he just, he mm -hmm. went with it and he just, you know, we rehearsed and we did our thing on the set and there was no problems, none at all. Good. That, that That's cool. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, it, it's such a hard thing to approach in, anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, I, I would say it's like, yeah, better leave it up to the comforts of the actor. You know, the yes. That's, that's got to go, go through with that. Um, uh, I, yeah, some, some folks out there, you know, know that uh, I, I did a, uh, you know, short film and uh, it called for nudity. And I'm like, I don't want to put any of my actors through it. I'll do it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. 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 It's like if, it, yeah, I, I'd much rather just do it. It's hilarious. And, you know, it's, it's stupid male, you know, full frontal and all that. And just, just, just do that, get it out there. And uh, it's hilarious. Yes. But, yes. Know. I I love it. And guess what? It's part of cinema. 
Whether people right. like it, maybe they don't like it. That's totally right. cool. But hey, it's been around since they invented film. Yep. In the yeah. eight, late 1800s, the, for one of the first things they filmed were some uh, ladies doing burlesque. Yep. So as old as film is, that's as old as uh, nudity as art has been in film. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Yep. Most definitely. Uh, well, man, that's 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 really cool. Uh, you know, to, to hear about uh, you know those stories on, on Tromeo. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how uh, uh, how Terra Firmer was was approached? That was that was one that I really got into, and and uh, I think it it's just now hitting its its stride, finding a, a much bigger audience these days. I think so too, because the funny thing is, um, just uh, looking at it from the outside, uh, mm. the first thing I'll say is, as a movie, I much prefer it to Tromeo and Juliet. Like, Terraform right. is my favorite trauma movie because yeah. it is so funny. Yeah. And it, there is like so much going on. Like I say, it's like a mad magazine, there's not a piece of the frame. Right. Right. Where there's not a million things going on, and that is like genius. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the casting was because of Will Keenan, who obviously was Tromeo. So he yeah. was kind of like, and you hate to compare people, but just to give an example, he was like in the position of James Gunn was from Tromeo. Okay. That's Will Keenan heading up and being in uh, Terra Firmer, like right. bringing all these like uh, New Yorkers in, like uh, Theo. Coogan from uh, the Luna Chicks and and Sean Pierce from the Toilet Boys and having that cool aspect of bringing in, you know, musicians and all that stuff. Um, it was typically I mean, a couple of the funny stories would be like near the end of the movie where um, Will is bringing me out by a dog chain and we're coming out of this weird, dark building um, while in that weird, dark building, we're like a vast amount of like uh, hornet's nests. And so, so um, I remember like coming out and having like some mm. of them landing on my calves because I had obviously yeah. a pretty short mini skirt on. And um, I did, did the scene, but meanwhile, while I was doing the scene, I was being like stung. And so um, they stopped for a minute after there was a few stings in there. And I remember that the poor makeup girl, she was trying so hard to be nice. She was like, well, well, what should we do in case she's allergic, in case she's allergic? And, you know, this is, seems like it should be in the movie, right? right. And, and Lloyd came up and said, stop that, stop that. You're going to make her allergic by putting it in her, in her mind. Like, stop, stop. But, but it was like perfect because he he is just so how he is in the movie in real yeah. life. So, yeah. I mean, it's just so funny, but yeah, that was, that was super hot. Uh, shot that in Brooklyn and really had a great time. The, the fun, another funny thing about that, we all went to Cannes yeah. and we all like stayed in, in a tiny little apartment, slept on the floor and all that. And, and we screened Terra Firmer on this massive screen and I'll, ne I'll never forget like and I had seen the movie and loved the movie. And to this day, love the movie. Like, it's yeah. my favorite. Lloyd knows. Like, anytime he brings up uh, Terra Firmer, he always has to, like, bring me up because he knows I'm going to go, this is my favorite movie. Right. And uh, so I'm watching. We're watching it in Cannes. But it's so big yeah. that the bathroom scene where I'm having sex, like a guy's having sex with me from behind. And 
um, it's like so big in your face that I was just like appalled, like just be the, because of the the shock right. value. You know what I mean? Of it, of it that big. Way, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, like what have I done? Like this looks like porn. Like oh my god, and especially like back then. Now I think right. everybody's far hipper and yeah. they can look at it for exactly what it is as mm -hmm. per usual lloyd is um ahead of the game so to speak and you know so when it when it came out it was just like it had enough elements that a lot of people wrote it off as like ah it's a comedy but it's like a porno you know it's like yeah. ah, crude and all that stuff but Obviously, it's not because it doesn't show anything. It's just all implied. But right. uh, so that that was an experience, too. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it, the making trauma movies, if you don't just go in like Nick Cage balls out. Yeah. And yeah. I'm telling you, you are wasting your time and you're wasting the movie's time. Right. Because right. that's what it needs to you know, to make it that move, you know, those movies, you have yeah. to be like, leave your ego and your um, uh, your inhibitions. Thank uh, you, thank you. Yeah. Your inhibitions yeah. at the friggin' door. Yeah. yeah, yeah, most definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. We were talking about uh, trauma films, you know, beforehand, and, and yeah, the Nick Nicholas Cage, you know, analogy yeah. is just you know perfect. Just you know, yeah, you know, shoot for the moon. And uh, yeah, chew that scenery to no end. That'll that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Brett uh, is incidentally is uh, chiming in. Uh, oh, his, Brett's his, chiming in. Yeah, his favorite is uh, of course uh, mo uh, uh, model uh, hunger, and uh, yeah, which you know you directed that. You yeah. you co-wrote and directed that, and uh, we were talking about that before we went live. It, yeah. That was such a fun film, and I, I got to interview Lynn Lowry, uh, who starred in that, and she looked like she had the most fun she's had in a long time mm -hmm. in front of the camera on that film. Can, yeah. can you talk about that experience? Yeah, and I should really say that, you know, James Morgart mm -hmm. wrote, wrote the movie, like, just so right. that there's no... Like he, it's his movie writing wise. What I, what he was so kind because you have to understand not everybody's like that because he produced yeah. it as well. And he could have easily said, no, this has to be this way and this yeah. has to stay. But because he was, a, is a creative, yeah. I said to him, oh, you know, this should go and this should come in and you know all yeah. of those kind of conversations and he was down with it so i mean i can't even begin to say props to james mogart for that i mean because like i say not everybody would like a lot of those changes that were made right. but um it's just like it, it was just one of those scripts that that i picked up and i just saw so many possibilities that you know, for, for like little tiny pieces and, and, and just um, themes and, and imagery and stuff that, you know, I only scratched the surface in actually getting compared to what I wanted. And there's a whole lot of stories about that. Um, but it was truly um, 
just an intense experience, a, a really good one as far as almost everybody goes. I mean, there was like a lot of struggles, a lot of struggles going on, but just the fact that we completed it with all of so many obstacles coming up upon us yeah. uh, throughout the entire time and even mm -hmm. after it was made in post. So it was just, just to get it finished because we shot it in 2012 and it was released in 2016. Okay. It yeah. was literally, it did not take a lot of time to for it to literally come out. What took a lot of time is for it to be edited and fixed to the, all the issues fixed to the point of it being able to be released. So that's yeah. why it was in, in that time. And I remember Lynn jokingly would say to me, honey pie, because when she finished the movie, she, yeah. I don't think she would ever speak without saying honey pie because she just loved it. She said, I hope I'm still alive when this movie comes out. And so joking around, of course, of course. Right. Uh, and I said, no, I promise. Wait, wait, I promise, promise. And um, yeah, yeah. so sure enough, I mean, like, you know, there was so much that I tried to bring to the table and, and I think I did. Um, yeah. And then a lot of stuff that's learning curve stuff. I mean, it doesn't matter how many movies that you are in um, that you have even contributed to because you're there and you're you have a lot of experience. So maybe you uh, suggest things to the director if, if they're open, depends on the director yeah. and how many times I've done that. It doesn't matter. Like when you are directing, it is truly a learning curve and like a film school, even if you've made 200 movies, because yeah. there are different things that come up. Now, the beauty of it is, and you guys know making movies is that, uh, you can try, even if it's only like half successful, you have all of these like moments of, you know, you want this, like just way deep in the background, just because you know, it's there. And if somebody's like deep into the movie, they're going to see it. And if not, it doesn't matter because you got the whole movie going on over here right. and um, things that I changed, like um, uh, uh, to have um, uh the the models be men dressed as women as opposed to women right. uh you know full-figured women yeah let's have full-figured men dressed as women and the reason was twofold the first most important reason was that <clears throat> i felt like from my experience um they are far more free mm. and and just self-loving and just like out there and creative and just like using it to their advantage. Whereas, yeah. you know, and, and really knowing how and loving it. Um, whereas uh, most women, less so nowadays, thank God. But, but even back then, 2012 and yeah. leading to then, um, it was, it's harder for women who are more full figured to mm -hmm. feel uh, to have fun with it. Like I am, I am part of the reason I'm here is not only am I beautiful, but I am full figure. That's the reason I'm here. And so I, I felt like, well, let's take all of that pressure yeah. off of women and have these guys do it. Right. You know? 
And then also what also played into it for me, not to get too deep into just Susie's secret, but that's like, you know, a big part of it. Um, Another thing that I really love too, is that, you know, TV lies. Right. You know what I mean? And so why should, you know, this be, it's like this, this cult, it's kind of like this cult thing. It's all that anybody's able to watch. They can watch other things, but they're not doing it. Even the guys having like making faces at it. Uh, Michael O'Hear, he's like one of the cops that shows him at home during the montage. And he's like freaking out the only one, mind you. Uh, But I, I said, you know, let's just have it like, so it's this, this almost like hypnotic, cult-like show that's just but it's not being completely truthful with you yeah yeah and and like i say it's not even in a bad way but i'm just saying like and even with Susie lorraine she's in she's in a fat suit Mm. right yeah she's you know and that's a character that she's always wanted to play like she we all have lists of things that we want to do and she was uh very much wanted to to be able to create a character that was, you know, believable and stuff and, and do that. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I, even today, I can't imagine that people would be, you know, thrilled about that, but I personally love it because we're not looking for someone who is of a certain shape. We are looking for something that is kind of lying to you. Like TV does is the point. Right. Yeah. So not to get too much into just Susie's secret, but yeah, yeah. That, that that's just an example of all the thought that you put into every single thing when you're making a movie. And even yeah. if just a, a third of it comes across, then it's not too bad. Nice. Well, and, and even with a, a good lie, sometimes, you know, a, a little bit of truth gets exposed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. The, um, it looks like we've got uh, John Wood and and uh, Wayne here that uh, they're nice. talking. About. Uh, I wanted to, yeah, I watched Band uh, Band again recently. Uh, he says uh, he has a, a fun drawing uh, coming up uh, for her based on the movie. And nice. Then, uh, Wayne uh, said he just uh, watched Band and rewatched Exhumed. Uh, one one of uh, or two of his favorites with you. Very cool. Well, first of all, thank you, John. John is like this amazing artist. He's, I call him a fan artist uh, because he does like a lot of work on a lot of the horror people. He's also a professional artist in that he does cartoons for newspapers. So um, yeah, he's the real deal, but um, he's, he does amazing work. So that that's incredible, John. Thank you so much. I mean, it's always, it's always an honor when he, he does your, um, uh, caricature. So that's, that's cool. And Wayne, thank you so much too. Yeah. You know, band is like, it's one of those movies. I swear to God. And okay. Mm -hmm. Zoom's a whole nother story here. I got a lot to say about that, but band is cool because it is a movie that was despised upon Mm -hmm. creation by its own mother, meaning Mm -hmm. Roberta Finley. Yeah. She she could make the worst like and by worst, I mean, great worst. Good. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of sleaze fair and, you know, people love it and it's great. And she has her niche. But this is like her 
redheaded stepchild she never know what to do with and just okay. therefore did not want anything to do with it because I yeah. she didn't even understand what she made really I mean in that sense compared to what she made her whole life over here yeah so um so yeah she was just sort of like meh don't care don't care if that ever comes out you know yeah. Roberta family she's like really gruff like you know I remember when I I had to get naked for a scene and she was like Ah, you're awful thin. I mean, it was funny. It was funny. Like, even then I was like, hard to take it, it to heart in a bad way. Right. Um, but I was like, yeah. In my mind, I was like, okay, glad I was uh, homeless because now I'm going to leave my body and not take that insult to heart. Uh, but yeah, it comes yeah. in handy. But yeah, obviously I remember that moment uh, forever. But I always loved it because it's like the perfect time capsule, right? It's perfect time and it it to me i love those bizarre weird new york underground movies that they they're just they don't even necessarily know fully what they are themselves mm. but they just kind of are yeah and i personally that's like my fave one of my favorite genres of movies so i personally love it i think it's probably going to take a while to find its audience Right. But it's out and it took since 1988. Well, I haven't been trying to get it released since 88, but probably since the mid nineties. Okay. To, I have been trying to get it released since then. And it just got released now. So nice. Good. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Man. Uh, you know, kind of going back to, you know, your, your, uh, you know, directing, do you have any uh, like new directing projects on, on the horizon or anything yeah. about? Yeah, there's a couple of them. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Torment Road is one that's still it's percolating. And wow. by that, I mean, James, uh, James, James Mogart, <laughs> James Gunn wrote it. No, James Mogart wrote this as well as, as the same person who wrote Mono Hunger. And it is, really amazing it's not a dark comedy it's more like uh i told him i really wanted to do this like really twisted sick road movie like that was my i wanted to do a road movie yeah. and torment road literally <clears throat> and so um he wrote this amazing script and i had started uh raising funds for it Cool. Then COVID hit and I got a lot of stuff for it, which yeah. I still have. It's like sitting there waiting. But now it's kind of like I have to re restart the mm -hmm. sort of bulk of it. Besides the things that, that I do have in place from the small fundraiser that I did back then. So that is on the burners. That's on the burners. And if that goes first, then hallelujah. Um, there's <clears throat> another sort of, uh, series without going into it too much because I'm not the only person involved, but sure. Sure. it's really super cool. And it's like a strange sort of throwback, if you will, to the ooze era mm. of the eighties, like, yeah. uh, street trash, slime city, toxic yeah. Avenger, all the kind of melty oozy. 80s stuff. yeah vibe stuff yeah with the comedy yeah definitely with the comedy in there so there's that project so there's like two or three of those 
that are all like in various degrees of um, of working and some will sort of bubble up like that one I just spoke about, like had a big, it even, you know, had some funding come into it. So sure. we're going to see, it's always like piece by piece by piece. Yeah. Sometimes these, these things that they take what feels like forever, but, um, but there are some other projects as well. Um, I'm going to be directing uh, a short, which is part of um, a series of shorts called six and um so there's like obviously six uh, shorts within it and I'm going to be directing one of those. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff. There's some stuff that hasn't been announced yet, but going to be a lot of fun and I have to leave it to the directors as yeah. much as I'd like to take their, their glory away and tell the people um, yeah. because I'm excited. But yeah. one thing I can say there is um, coming up really soon um, I have to go to uh, Ohio and shoot the sequel to The Girl. Nice. Um, and that's, uh, it was a very small movie. Probably very few people have seen it. They should see it. And this script is just, you know, you know, even better, even better. And he's, nice. and he's making it much bigger. And I reprise the role in that. And um so yeah, Model Hunger, a little bit of Model Hunger news is that we are in the beginning phases, even though um, there has been work already done, but we are going to be doing a Blu-ray release, Good. some Good. really cool stuff, um, and spit shine it up so it looks better and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're just in the beginnings of that, and um there's some insane, exciting stuff going on with American Nightmare. And yeah, yeah we're going to, again, it's like, man, I remember back in the day, you could talk about anything. Like mm -hmm. just, yeah, I'm doing this movie in two months and that one in three. And right. But now it's kind of like, it's, it's a combination of like uh, jinxing things. And you have to wait till really like the director pulls the, the string. Pull the string. And, you know, but like plane tickets are bought. So it's not like a, these things aren't happening. It's just I got to wait for them to 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 say a lot of the stuff. But but as you could see, a lot of stuff and directing. Yeah, this year. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I can't I can't wait to see, you know, uh, you, you get behind you know, the camera again. Of course, I can't wait to see you get in front of the camera again. Yeah, uh, that's thank you. Yeah, there's no shortage of, of cool projects that uh, that you're involved in. And, of course, you know, for everybody out there, I mean, you know, if you go to Debbie's IMDb page, you, you got two over 200, uh, you know, projects uh, to pick and choose from. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's quite the, you know, the the resume of, of fantastic work. And it's all over the map. If you're yeah. looking for Ed Wood stuff, yeah. I got it. If you're looking for like really <laughs> moody stuff, I got it. Exhumed. Wayne mentioned Exhumed. That's right. one of my top favorite movies. Um, Color from the Dark, another top favorite movie. I mean, there's like, I feel like there's something for everybody, including children. You're raising your eyebrow, but there is. Doggy tales. People okay. think, oh, that sounds like a porno. No, in fact, it really, really is. Uh, hilarious actually trauma release the, the guys from trauma went to central park 
to like the dog run. And they shot dogs just in a dog run. Like no particular story, really. And then we did voices, including James Gunn and his then wife, uh, Jenna, help me. Uh, Shoot. Uh, She was from The Office. Uh, I can't remember her last name too. I'm I'm terrible. He's been uh, in big movies. Uh, you know, uh, you know. Quick, uh, I think we need more coffee. Help, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> her, yes, that's right. Her. So they even do voices in this. Okay, so this is yeah. like not all that long after Tromeo. I think maybe he has done at this point. Um, well, he did that movie. What was a lollipop or something? Lolly love. Lowly Love, thank you very yeah. much. That Jenna yeah. directed. Jenna Fisher. And so they, kind of like in exchange, if you will, they yeah. did uh, voices in this this doggy movie. And they did a little bit of a wraparound with Lloyd and his daughter. But we all did voices for the dog movie. So my point being, yes, there's even something for the kids in there. Yeah. So, you know. That's, that's true. And you can learn a lot from Obscurity's podcast. There's lots of information mm. there. Cool. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, that, try, I try that, to help everybody. That, that That's always great to, you know, be able to go to, you know, not only you know, all, all the films and, and series, but, you know, yeah, recommendation of, of podcasts. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, stuff like this. It, it's it's mm-hmm. that, uh, that oral, you know, uh, you know, live history that, that kind of gets, translated you know uh, back to you uh, it's it's a great wealth of information uh, yeah you know on, on those you know platforms because yeah you know, other mediums aren't going to pick this stuff up necessarily no yeah so it's it's great to kind of translate back and forth uh you know between each other in this capacity i love it i really love it and i was just talking to a friend of mine about the days of Iada. Before Iada, there was pseudo radio in the 90s. And I had a show on there. And actually, uh, Sean Pierce from Toilet Boys just happened to have a show on there. And I didn't even know it at the time. First internet radio show ever. That was 1996. Like, nice. who could even stream it? I don't even know. Right. Um, right. Then in like uh, 99 to 2001, um, Iada came along. And that was mm. like a full multi-studio uh looks like a radio studio but it's strictly internet yada after the jerry seinfeld yada 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 um electronic yada um did that and that was cutting edge for that time but instead of it being like one of those things that people were predicting and putting these millions of dollars into those uh channels or or those uh uh yeah channels many yep. shows on the channel um in fact what happened it was a dui punk thing and the podcast won the day and you know see what i mean and that that's actually a beautiful thing uh yeah. so you know and then of course i did the the satellite as well and i did regular radio too in new york but the podcasts have won the day and that's kind of really super cool because you can you can like pinpoint what you like down to the millimeter like i like true crime but i like true crime where you know women only commit it on full moons well they got a show about that right right Right. very awesome it's awesome yeah 
Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Well, you know, the the DIY aspect, it's the the punk rock ethos, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's something that like trauma films, I think, uh, adheres by, uh, you know, which was you know kind of punk rock before you know there was you know, and uh, and of course you know uh, online early online podcasting. Yeah, I mean now you've got you know massive companies like Spotify that that kind of elbow Mm -hmm. in, but you know that's that's you know online gentrification for you yes yes and it will always happen it will always be the indies who start something and then right. it's almost like the, the the companies with money if you will um mm-hmm. not to be like too uh conspiracy theorist but it's true mm-hmm. they'll sort of like watch what's happening what's working yeah. and then they'll kind of get involved but let the indie guys sort of like feel it out figure yeah. it out do yeah. it just like with the transition from shooting on actual VHS to finally digital and right. so forth. I mean, they kind of like watch uh, what's going on and, and then kind of pick and choose what they want to use that they can make famous money, money. That's right. Money. Sorry. Not famous money. Uh, yeah, they can make the, the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let the create, yeah. The, the creative explorers, you know, go out and risk it all and stuff. And yeah. Um, exactly. yeah and and then every and then they benefit off of the, of that uh um yeah that loss of uh uh, uh yeah flesh so to speak yes <laughs> in some instances yeah uh debbie uh i, I want to say yeah thank you for for coming on and being so generous with your time i know you know you're you're in the middle of working on a on a project and and uh, you had to take time out of your day but it, it, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to, to be able to, to converse you. with you. I, I want to thank you so much. And most seriously, thank you for having me on number 200. Yes. That's so awesome. 200. 200. That's not nothing. No, no, right? it, it isn't. That's no. not nothing. No. That's really good. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah appreciate it's an it. Honor to be here. Thank you. Can't wait to see you soon. Yes, yes. Right? We'll be seeing you uh, September 15th through the 17th at the Colorado Festival of Horror here yes. in Denver, Colorado. Yes. Yes. So uh, we'll be making an official announcement uh, online. But uh, did I but- ruin that too? Damn it. See what I mean? I can't see. No, no, no. You didn't ruin anything. No, this is. This is the the, the video announcement, oh, you know. Oh, um, okay. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, we, we can't wait to yeah uh, have you out and and uh, you know we'll set you up with doing some screenings, Q and A, you know, whatever you want to do and and anything creative too. That's that's one of the things that we want to yeah put forth to our guest is like if you have a creative activity or project that you want uh, you know some of the the attendees to participate in. You know, let's let's see about uh, doing that too. You know where we are. Yes, yes, right? most definitely. Come yes. on down. Yes, yeah. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank yeah. you for having me on. Happy two hundred. You don't look a day over one hundred. Th- thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is all COVID. No. Um, <laughs> No, appreciate it, Debbie. Uh, stick around while we sign off. Uh, but uh, but again, yeah, thanks for your uh, your generosity and uh, and all your talents. And and, and uh, we can't wait to to see your next film and Thank and room you. for you. 
And thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guys. And uh, to everybody uh, who tune, tuned in, uh, of course, you know, thank you for, for being so generous, uh, especially, you know, uh, for, you know, sticking with us for 200 episodes. Dear God, how do you put up with me? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and of course, uh, to our sponsors, uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Mutiny Information Cafe. If you're going to start a revolution, make sure you're caffeinated. Uh, Debbie and I are, certainly. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, to Hellfire Entertainment, uh, thanks for rebroadcasting us on your social media. Uh, to Groovy TV, and of course to uh, you know Alien Donut Films and uh, Angela Joseph uh, Productions, to Bill and Angela over there, respectively. Thanks so much for all your support, and to my producers, uh, Lily Fisher, who's been just a godsend this year, mm-hmm. and uh, Amanda Armstrong and Stephen Santa Cruz. Couldn't have done all this without you. Couldn't have brought Debbie on here without you. And uh, uh, to everybody out there. Uh, be good, be kind, help each other out during tough times, and stay spooky, everybody. Have a good night, and 